This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. How many of you went through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or any kind of perinatal mental health condition and didn't know that you were? How long did it take you to find out or to figure it out or for somebody to help you? This is such a common experience because in part, we don't know what to look for. We don't know what's going on for us until we know. For some people, that can be months. For some people, that can be years. Our guest today, Darcy Sowers, is going to be telling us about her experience of having postpartum depression but not knowing it for years. She, like many of us, suffered for a long time without knowing. And I'm really grateful to her for bringing her story to light because this is really common, this experience of suffering for so long and not knowing what's going on. She's going to tell us a little bit about her experience with postpartum depression, when she realized she'd been suffering, looking back and noticing the signs, and some of the things that might have prevented her from understanding what was going on or seeking support. And she's going to tell us about how her experience transformed her life. She became a postpartum doula after her experience. She goes by the doula Darcy. Now she offers in-home postpartum doula services to the moms in her local area, as well as on-demand postpartum doula support, which is a super cool service that she provides. And this is for new moms everywhere so that you can get the help you need when you need it. She's also the co-host of Your Birth, Your Worth podcast. She had three babies in four years, and her experiences fueled her to quit her job in advertising and certify as a postpartum doula so she could help other women have a better experience than she did. Let's hear from Darcy. Welcome, Darcy. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kat. I'm really grateful that you're coming on to share your experience, and in particular that it took you a little while to figure out what was going on, because I think it's so common that people suffer for quite some time without really understanding what's going on. So 
the more that we can kind of show what that might look like or what that might feel like, I think the more likely people will be able to pick up on, well, maybe this is something that's happening to me. And um, there's really no better way to do that than through personal story. I agree totally. Yeah. Great. So yeah, wherever you'd like to start about your experience, please share. Oh, sure. So I am a postpartum doula now, but 15 years ago when I had my daughter, I was an advertising executive and had no knowledge of birth or babies or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I got pregnant very easily and I was just kind of like, you know, the hormones kicked in and I was like, this is all going to be fine. And I read a few books about birth and, you know, I thought, I've never really held a baby before, but these maternal instincts that I've always heard about will kick in when the baby's born and we'll just all be fine. Mm -hmm. So not to go too much into detail of my birth story, but I really wanted a drug-free birth, really more from like an athletic standpoint. I wanted to just do it and say that I had done it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of had this underlying notion that drugs weren't the best thing for my body. So I went into it hoping for a drug-free birth and I did really well. I got, you know, my labor went along great. Everybody was cheering me on and then it was time to push and I just pushed and pushed and pushed for hours and she was Mm. stuck Mm. and they gave me an epidural and said, maybe if you rest and relax, your pelvis will open a little bit more and she'll be able to get out and So we did that. And then an hour later, I pushed for another hour and she was still stuck. So the doctor was like, you know, we really need to do a C-section. And that just gutted me. I was Mm -hmm. devastated, even though I hadn't really thought about it. But I felt like a failure as they were wheeling me into Mm -hmm. the operating room. Gosh. So she was born. Everything was great. She was healthy. Then a couple days later, they were like, okay, you can go home. And I panicked. I grabbed the nurse's arm and I was like, we cannot go home. We don't know what we're doing. You don't even understand. And she laughed and she's like, no, you'll be fine. And I was like, no, really, we're not going to be fine. And part of it was that I loved her so much. Mm. I was blown away by how much I loved her. And I thought she... I thought a more special baby had never been born. So I was like, you can't send her with us, two people that don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So we got home and then I ended up getting a fever of 102 and having Mm -hmm. readmitted to the hospital for an infection. And there was a whole thing of not managing my pain medication. So I was in a ton of pain. I felt sick um, and I didn't know what I was doing. And my nipples were bleeding. Breastfeeding wasn't going well. Mm -hmm. And I just had this underlying nagging sense that I had failed. My body had failed. You know, the human female body is made to give birth and mine couldn't do it. So that was just kind of in the back of my head. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, as the days went on and my mom came to help and my husband was very supportive and great, but I just felt blah. Mm -hmm. and wasn't really enjoying much of it. Then one day I remember, and she was a couple months old at this point, and I was loading my dishwasher, and I was thinking about my own grandmother who had four babies, you know, way back when, and I thought, how did she do that? You know, she she didn't have a dishwasher. I don't think she had a washing machine. She didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. She had none of these, you know, modern 
technologies and appliances that I had. And I, you know, I looked around my house at all the appliances I had and I'm loading my dishwasher. And it was right then that my doctor's words came back to haunt me. You know, the day she was born, she meant to be nice. And in the moment, it really eased my mind. But she said, you know, there was no way this baby was going to get out of your pelvis, you know, no matter what you would have done. Hmm. She said, a hundred years ago, you both would have died. Oh, gosh. So, you know, on the one hand, that kind of gave me permission to not feel like there was something else I could do. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, as I'm loading my dishwasher and feeling like a failure, I thought, well, maybe I should have died. Oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this motherhood thing. And that's mm-hmm. why it's not, you know, I just thought everybody else is so blissfully happy when their baby's born. And I'm just kind of chugging along. I was just going through the motions. And I remember getting a, you know, cards in the mail and presents in the mail. And one in particular that said, oh, it was from one of my like older, like great aunt. Mm-hmm. And, and it said, oh, you know, enjoy these days. These are the best days of your life. And I thought, oh my God, I'm like bleeding from every orifice of my body. I'm in pain. I have a fever. I feel miserable. Like it, this is the best. Oh, <laughs> this is as good yeah. as it's going to get. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Right. But I, right. It's like, I can say these things now, but I wouldn't even really admit them to myself. Yeah. I, this is you looking back Yes, on all of this. Not that it was so conscious for you then. Right. Mm-hmm. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. You know, then when I was going through it, you know, I kind of was like, oh, just, you know, maybe if I take a nap, it'll get better. Maybe Mm -hmm. if she would just sleep better tonight, it'll be better. Or maybe if my mom could come, it'll be better tomorrow, you know, and it just like the days went on and on. Mm -hmm. 
If I can say, I really yeah. appreciate you highlighting that part because I think that is where a lot of this kind of us not recognizing stuff happens that I can totally identify with what you're saying. I had that same experience of almost like you're talking yourself out of it or that there's something that keeps nagging at you that like something's not quite right. But if you do these things, it'll just be better. Yeah. Gosh, that could go on for a long time. Oh, and it did. And, (laughs) and I kept thinking, you know, and my hospital and provider, you know, gave me all the pamphlets on postpartum depression. And, but I thought, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought postpartum depression was what postpartum psychosis really is. You know, I did not want to harm my baby. Right. And I think I thought postpartum depression was like, you're so depressed, you can't get out of bed and you can't meet your baby's needs and you can't meet your own needs. But I got out of bed every morning. I took a shower every day. I changed all her diapers. I fed her, you know, I did all the things. Right. So I thought, well, I don't have postpartum depression. So it never occurred to me to reach out for help. And it also never occurred to me to like whisper to a friend or my mom or my husband how I was really feeling. Cause I you know, it was like, there was this little piece of me that knew like, this is wrong. Like good mothers don't feel this way or think this way. Mm. And then I had two more babies. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I got pregnant really by surprise. How, how long after? Uh, like a year after. Mm-hmm. So that my first two babies were 21 months apart and it all just kind of continued. And I kept kind of playing my feelings up to sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's um, another common, right. Or I'd think, oh, maybe I ate too much sugar yesterday and that, you know, I'll, I'll try to be better today and that'll make my mood better. Things like that. Like you Mm -hmm. said, like trying to find the cause. And then when my son was like two, I thought, you know what? The other thing was I grew up thinking I wanted like eight kids. I Mm -hmm. loved the idea of a big family. But then after my first daughter was born, I was like, oh my God, I don't even know. If I can take care of this baby. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Mm -hmm. after my second, I thought, you know what? All right, we're going to do this again. And this time I'm going to do it right. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, I thought this time we'll plan, you know, I'll plan when I'm going to get pregnant and I'll really take good care of myself. And, you know, so we did, we had our third baby. So another thing was I had three C-sections in four years, which that alone, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is three huge surgeries to have back to back. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until... Flash forward, I became a postpartum doula because I became obsessed with trying to help other women that were having babies. But you left your career. Well, I left my career now, I consider because of postpartum anxiety. When it was time for me to go back to work, I, the thought of bringing my daughter to daycare just made me ill. And I was sure I had these horrible visions and notions. Like I knew if I sent her to daycare, I'd go to pick her up one day and she'd be dead. Oh no. That's which I know now is, I know. And I know now it's an obtrusive thought and intrusive thought, you know, and a very normal thing that some women experience. But at the time I just thought, I don't know what I even thought. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So at that point your daughter was how old? She was like three months old. Uh So I was supposed to be going back to work and I just quit my job. And, you know, my husband was like, you can't quit your job. You're going to burn a bridge. You'll never be able to go, you know, go back. And, but he said, you know, take as much time as you need. But everybody was like, you're crazy if you quit this wonderful job. But I couldn't, I literally couldn't. Yeah. So then had two more babies and then 
one day I just, while I was trolling online, I learned what a postpartum doula was. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I need to do. So I went through the training, went to the certification and started working. And then one day went to like an extra workshop on postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And as they were going through like the slideshow, it was shocking to see. I just thought, oh my God, I had postpartum depression. Yeah. You know, they would put up these lists of like, you know, this is four years after your your daughter's four at this time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, they're saying, oh, if you're working with a mom who's experiencing three to five of this long list of symptoms, you know, she might be depressed. And I was like, oh my God, I had every single one of the symptoms on the list. And it was just so strange to look back and think, oh my gosh, I had postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety, you know, and I tell all my clients now, it all would have been so different if I had hired a postpartum doula and she had just come into my living room and said, no, you're doing a great job. Everything here is fine and normal. And, you know, the feelings that you're having, a lot of moms feel this way, you know, and if she had given me some resources, it would have been a very different story, but Mm. I didn't seek out any of that help. So in part, I mean, wow, that's a huge realization. And I want to hear about what happened after that in just a moment. But from that point, looking It was kind of everything. It was a little bit of a relief, but it was also kind of mad that I didn't know. I didn't recognize the signs and I didn't reach out for help. I did go actually right around that same, well, no, it was actually even later. So Mm -hmm. even when I'm watching that presentation, I was like, well, I'm, you know, four years out from having a baby. Like I'm not postpartum anymore. So I don't have postpartum depression. Mm But I was still really struggling. And when my youngest was two was the first time I finally went to my primary care doctor and he was sitting in my lap and I just started bawling and told her everything. And she prescribed an antidepressant, you know, really low dose. And it made such a huge difference. (laughs) And then I was kind of like, why didn't I do this Mm -hmm. all those years ago? It would have just made such a difference. So your daughter's two, you were pregnant with your second or just had your second? When I went to the doctor? Uh-huh. I had had my third and he oh, was two. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and he was two years old. So my daughter was six at oh, this gosh. <laughs> so it was six years before oh. I had got any help. Um, That's a long time. It is. And now, like, the more the time goes by, the more I'm like, I'm just kind of mad that I didn't get help sooner, but I honestly don't know if I would have, you know, and every time I talk about this and anytime like my own mom hears me talk about this, she gets so upset because she was very involved. She was so helpful. She was like my postpartum doula. She came over all the time and always helped with the kids. And she said, Darcy, I had no idea that you were going through this, that you felt this way. Like I put on such a show. Yeah. Mostly for health. It's exhausting. Oh yes, it is. And I realized like, it was kind of like I was putting on the show for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't really that I was trying to impress anybody or do anything, but it was kind of like I was just constantly trying to convince myself ultimately yeah. that I was a good mom. Right. Because the internal thoughts, the thoughts were that you were not a good mom. Exactly. You know, my thoughts were constantly like, just how can I lay down? <laughs> you know, How can I get all these babies mm. set up so that I could? To just lay down. Mm-hmm. Or I also had all, this was another, like one of the symptoms that I learned about in the 
seminar, I just constantly fantasized about just running away. I didn't want to hurt the kids, mm-hmm. but I fantasized, you know, I was like, maybe I could drop them off at my parents' house and yeah. just keep driving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get in my car and just drive 10 states away. And I also used to fantasize about like, maybe like my appendix would burst and I could go to the hospital and just rest for a few days. And everybody would, you know, it was like, you'd have permission to rest for a few days if your appendix blew up, but not if you're just a regular mom. Right. Because we can't just say, I'm exhausted. I'm going to lose it pretty soon. Can like, you guys need to take care of these kids so I can rest. Right. Yeah. That we're not allowed. Right. So me for what we need. Exactly. Which is, just normal. But in my head, you know, having those thoughts and those cravings meant I didn't love my kids enough and I was a bad mom, which, oh, it's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what you're describing that those six years, well, maybe four to six years of really trying to convince yourself out of how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. doing more than you probably had the energy to do to try and prove to yourself that you were okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the internal, so you're doing all of this stuff that's almost the opposite of how you feel. Right. Inside, you don't feel like you can do everything, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned some of the thoughts that you had that like, I'm not a good mom, that sort of stuff. What other kinds of things was going on for you that nobody would have known about? Intrusive thoughts, you said. Yep. The intrusive, scary thoughts, you know, that, that I lose one of my kids in the parking lot and they'd get hit by a car. Getting hit by a car was a big thought. You know, I'd be laying down, you know, rubbing their back to go to sleep and these horrible, horrible thoughts Mm -hmm. would come to mind. About something bad happening to them. Yes. Primarily. Uh And just to clarify for people who are just hearing about intrusive thoughts, yes, not that these are anything that you wanted to do. That was just like these involuntary thoughts would just come in, right? Exactly. Yes. And I'd be horrified that my brain, I'm glad you said that because I was so horrified that my brain came up with that scenario. And, you know, then because again, I didn't think I had postpartum depression because I loved them so much. Yeah. You know, these thoughts just, they made me physically ill, like mm-hmm. thinking about it, thinking about anything bad happening to them was, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, I mean, it's gut-wrenching for yeah. any parent. But then to strangely have your own mind popping these thoughts and visions into your head is really unnerving. Yeah. But yeah. again, a lot of moms have them. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I had just known a little bit, you know, and I don't know if, so again, this was like 10, 15 years ago. I think there just wasn't as much information online. Right. Um, or maybe I was just too tired to <laughs> look around, but I just, I didn't come across any of this. I think too, part of the challenge and still to this day is that sometimes when we think that it's just us, there's just something wrong with us. It doesn't occur to us that we could look for answers sometimes that maybe there are other people going through this. It feels so personal. That's very true. I think you're right. Yeah. It wouldn't have occurred to me because I thought what mother would uh, ever feel this way? You know, my feelings were all really like just being bored Mm. and, you know, wanting a break and wanting to get away. And again, not leaving them and leaving them in any harm. Yeah. Just 
honestly, the other thing is if I had just gotten a babysitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> like five, 10 hours a week, that would have been huge. But I've also had in my head that good moms are with their kids all the mm-hmm. time. You know, sure. you don't get a break. So, oh, right. Okay. So, I mean, that's another kind of common one that I hear too, that I'm supposed to be doing all of this. Right. And I'm supposed to be fine while I do all of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be blissfully happy and <laughs> have well, lost all the pre-pregnancy weight. And, oh gosh. You know, no pressure. <laughs> right. Be smiling yeah. on Instagram. And, you know, I think social media, that wasn't for me because it really wasn't around yet. But I think now I really feel bad for moms mm-hmm. now that have that like added awareness or not awareness, but like that's in coming into their consciousness, seeing all these Hollywood moms that are back on the set after a baby and things like that. And, or just, you know, what your friends and family choose to post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all, it all impacts us. Mm -hmm. So you really have highlighted a lot of different ways that you yourself were kind of prevented from seeing that you were suffering and made it hard for you to acknowledge or even think about getting help. Um, So finally, I guess at six years, something made you talk to your doctor. She suggested an antidepressant Mm -hmm. and then you started to feel better. Is that just kind of jumping back in where you, where you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that really did help me to feel better. And it just even, and I was really hesitant to take any medication because I just, the kind of person I don't like, to take a Tylenol when I have a headache. I just don't like taking medicine, mm-hmm. not really for any reason. But so I just was really hesitant, but I was feeling so bad. So she gave me a very low dose and she said, this will take two weeks to work. And I remember like waking up on the second morning and I was like, oh, I feel better. And wow. it was like, even my vision was better. Like mm-hmm. just that dark fog was a little bit lifted. And so just being on the low dose, it gave me enough like, okay, I could go take a walk. I could go exercise today, which also helps your mood. Oh, I can go out. I think took away that exhaustion of always working to try to feel better. Mm. So it really kind of helped me do other things that, you know, naturally helped me feel better as well. And then I always say, you know, this whole time of, well, it was really then that I really started working as a postpartum doula and every mom that I helped, even if it was just, washing her dishes while she napped. It, yeah. Oh, it that's amazing. That's not even just, that's like gold right there. <laughs> I know. But when I first started, I was very clear. Like I did not tell my story. I did not tell my feelings. I did not tell mm-hmm. my birth story. Like, you know, we're trained as doulas. Let it be about the mom you're working with and don't ever share. And I really didn't. But like I said, just every time, for some reason, I couldn't get my own dishes in my own sink at home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> about washing uh, a new mom, another new mom's dishes. It was so healing to just help other oh, women along the way. And it was like over and over every mom I visited to hear them kind of s- starting a hint at saying things that I had been thinking mm. made me realize like, oh my God, this is common and universal and we have to all start talking about it more. That, you know, motherhood is not this 24 hour a day bliss factory. (laughs) It's it's hard and monotonous Mm -hmm. and it's okay if you're not loving it every second. 
Oh gosh. Just, yeah. All of that would be so freeing for so many people to understand. Oh yeah. Just the pressure is enormous. Yes. In and my mind, never higher. Right. And what I've been talking a lot about lately is how it's always been hard to be a mom, but I think it is more so now than ever because we don't have communities mm-hmm. like we used to. You know, we used to have tribes and villages and or you lived on a big farm with your huge extended family or even in the 50s and 60s, you know, you lived on a cul-de-sac and there were a lot of stay-at-home moms mm-hmm. who maybe they didn't come wash your dishes, but maybe you went and had coffee at their house or they dropped off a lasagna or, you know, you had this social interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. And now women are just sent home alone, Mm -hmm. isolated with no community. We also have no history and no shared knowledge for, you know, we don't grow up watching our sisters and cousins and aunts breastfeed or care for their babies. You know, we have no exposure. And then we're handed a newborn and expected to just go do it all. Right. As if you're supposed to get this magical download of information. Right. When you're handed a baby. No. Yeah. Right. So I'm just thinking back on your story. You're sort of set up to feel like you're supposed to be doing all of the stuff and loving it and that this is supposed to come easy. And so therefore the feelings that you're having are just about you. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. The negative feelings rather. Right. Yeah. I was all just definitely thinking like, oh, this is just my fault. Like I'm doing something wrong. And I'd always have the thing, like I already mentioned, like, okay, tomorrow I'll try this. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I drink too much coffee in that, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, tomorrow I'll try this. Like a constant negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, and I'm curious too. So this was all a lot for you just kind of happening internally. And your mom said that she had no idea what was going on. And what about anyone around you? Were there any hints that anybody else picked up on? No. (laughs) You know, my husband says the same thing. He's like, I didn't know. He's like, I thought you were, you know, loving it all. And I think just between the fact that I had three babies in four years and that I kept, you know, showing up. And the other thing was like, I didn't stay home. Like I went out, I did the story times and the breastfeeding support groups and, you know, met friends for lunch. Like I was really active, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep kind of just keep up. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is I had a great group of new mom friends. When my first daughter was born, we got together every Friday and had breakfast and we'd sit around at each other's houses for like hours at a time. And this is another thing I'm really grateful for. You know, it was all really real and we would talk about how tired we were or how, you know, hard it was, but it was like, I never went over the edge and said, well, here's how I really feel. Like, Mm. you know, I can't even imagine if I had gone to these groups and they were all talking about how blissfully happy they were. You know, I think I was lucky to at least have some very real friendships and I'm friends with them all still today. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, I think they'd be shocked at the time to have known how I was feeling. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting that because it's true. You know, if there is a mom's group where everyone's talking about how happy they are and how blissful they are, that's extremely isolating. Yes. And also in the group that you had, you had just enough of real, the kind of real talk about how hard things are to help you feel that support too. But there's just also that feeling like you'd never know if it's safe to say how you're really, really doing. Right. 
That's and hard. I think it is hard. And I think it was ultimately because I wasn't really truly admitting it to myself. Like, yeah, I'd have these thoughts and I just stuff them back down in like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'll just yeah. keep going. <laughs> right, right. right. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. So yeah, it never occurred to me to say anything to anybody because I really wasn't even saying anything to my own self. Right. So given your experience, what would you like other moms and families to know about like detecting these signs and getting help? I would like them to know, you know, the true symptoms of postpartum depression. And, you know, I think education is the key. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mentioned, you know, I really thought postpartum depression was either you wanted to kill your baby or you couldn't get out of bed and, you know, were ignoring your baby's crying and none of which I wanted to do. Right. So I talk about any, you know, couple that I meet with prenatally or, you know, the moms and families that I work with, you know, I always try to leave brochures and stuff and just talk about like, if you're not finding joy in some part of your day, like, yes, you're going to be bored. And yes, it's monotonous and grueling. But you know, if you're not laughing anymore, if you're not, you know, finding joy in other things that you used to do, then, you know, reach out for help. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to reach out for help. I think just making it more and I think this I don't know if it's just because I'm working in this field now, but I feel like it is getting better. The, you know, more people are talking about it and more providers are screen, you know, using the Edinburgh screening tool to screen for moms. You know, it's not perfect yet, but I think it's definitely getting better. Yeah. And, you know, more people are talking about it. So. Yeah. 
I agree. I see the trend is there for people to be recognizing this more and more. And still, there's just so many more people who need to be reached. And so all of us, you know, you doing what you do and just everyone raising their voices on this is so Mm -hmm. important. So in your transformation out of this postpartum depression and anxiety, you really shifted your life into being a doula. And now how do you support women and families? So I kind of split my time between, you know, going to a new mom's house and helping, you know, hands-on help. And I always say 80% of the time that means taking care of the baby so that she can sleep, but also making sure, you know, that she's eating good food and drinking enough water and, you know, folding the laundry and tackling the dishes so that she can just focus on herself and the baby. But then I've also, and it's a lot of talking and a lot of listening and answering questions. And that one thing I realized, and I had so many moms that would say, oh, I wish I could send you to my friend in such and such a state. And then I realized the questions and conversations that I have with new moms are so common. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of the same conversations and answer the same questions over and over and over again. I finally have created a little package that I call on-demand postpartum doula support. And it's just 30 to 35 videos. They're all like two minutes long of me just answering, you know, can I give my baby a pacifier? How do I know if my baby's getting enough milk? How can I help my baby sleep more? Mm. You know, all those baby questions. And then also all the like kind of mom emotional questions and things about physical recovery and stuff like that. And then there's always the option to click through and you can also book a virtual online chat with me. And, you know, I always say that sometimes just one in-person visit, me coming to your house or one online chat, like can be so helpful to just have someone hear your concerns, hear what's going on and to tell you that you're doing fine. that everything's normal. I'm also a lactation counselor. So I always say, you know, I oftentimes get these teary calls from a mom and they say, my baby's crying all the time. I don't think they're getting enough food. I think something's wrong. Can you come over and I'll come. And, you know, after talking to the mom for two hours, I'm like, nope, you're good. This is all normal. This is all fine. And here's how to swaddle your baby, you know, give a few tips, but sure, just to see the relief on a mom's face that She's doing everything right. Yeah. Is just amazing. And I also just have to give a plug to counseling. I think counseling is, I think every new mom needs counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say, I think one of the reasons back when I was going through my own story, I thought, well, I don't want to go to counseling and have to go once a week, every week for years. Mm. (laughs) But you know, I always tell moms, like, sometimes you go once or twice, and they really help you. <laughs> yeah, it no. doesn't have to be a long drawn out process. It does not. And, um, and certainly depending on the person's history and what's going on for them, sometimes it is better suited for them to have a longer term therapy, but not always. Yes, right. And it's, you know, there's no harm in just trying it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Yeah. Thanks for giving that plug because I think that one big part of this anyways, is that mental health stigma um, that, you know, I can't admit that anything is wrong with me or I have a weakness or I can't do this or that I need help. Or if I go, that means I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, All these very 
damaging ideas we have about our mental health is an additional preventer of getting help. Oh, absolutely. And it's a shame because, you know, it's a game changer for so many people. There is one other thing you do. You have your own podcast, Your Birth, Your Worth. Yes. Yeah. So do you talk about a lot of these topics there too? We do. So I co-host that with a friend of mine who's a birth doula and you know, there's a lot of podcasts about birth and postpartum, but we always try to look at everything through the lens of our feelings of worthiness and mm. how, because our feelings of worthiness, one, affect how we give birth and how yeah. our postpartum experience goes. But then also, I think what happens during our births and postpartum period affects our feelings of worth. And it's just mm-hmm. really fascinating. So the podcast is kind of us sharing stories interviewing guests and it's a great listen for anyone who's pregnant or has recently had a baby or works in the birth related field. Sure. So check it out. That's awesome. Yep. You're getting out there. I love that supporting people however you can. Yes. Uh, I just really appreciate so much and can resonate so deeply with that your pain turned into your passion and I thank you so much for doing what you're doing now and hopefully, and I know actually helping a lot of people to not have to go through what you went through. Yes. And it's been great. And that, you know, now I say, looking back, I'm glad for the way it all worked out because I do the work that I do that I love every single day. You know, if I hadn't had that experience, I'd still be sitting in my little cubicle at the advertising <laughs> company. Right. So right. life is way better now. That's beautiful. Ultimately grateful. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful to you for coming on and sharing all of this. And yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. You've decided to give your baby breast milk. We want to help. We're the Boob Group, a group of moms and experts here to support you in your goals, whether you're breastfeeding, pumping, or something in between. Each week, a group of experienced moms openly discuss their success, their struggles, and society's impact on how they feed their babies. We provide an honest, natural, and judgment-free approach to breastfeeding, pumping, milk sharing, and more. The Boob Group is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Look for our free network app in Apple and Android to discover more great parenting shows and listen to your favorite episodes on the go. If you would like to get connected to Darcy, you can go to thedoulaDarcy.com where you can also find the connection to her on-demand postpartum doula support. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram and then also check out our podcast, YourBirthYourWorthPodcast.com. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time on the Mom in Mind podcast, please subscribe and share this as far and wide as you can so that all moms, families, whoever is impacted by perinatal mental health issues can have the information they deserve before they need it. So we can help prevent moms just like me and just like Darcy from having to go through all of this in the dark. So glad you could be with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.